Hi, and welcome to Data Futurology. In this podcast, we discuss how data is creating our future. Specifically, we cover applications of analytics, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. We discuss career tips for data scientists on how to lead and create value from data. And also, what are the current and future challenges in data science? In this podcast, we interview current leaders in the data space, such as heads of and directors of data science and data engineering, chief data scientists and chief data officers to find out straight from them what were the lessons they've learned in their careers which have helped them get to where they are today. My name is Felipe Flores and I have over 15 years experience in the data space where I've worked on everything from data warehousing to reporting and business intelligence to machine learning and artificial intelligence. I hope you enjoy this episode. In this episode, we speak with Sam Karazmi. He is currently the head of data science at Redbubble, and he is a, a leader with extensive experience in building teams and building data products on small and large scale organizations. Uh, it's it's a really interesting chat because uh, Sam started. His Sam's done a lot of work in startups, and that and that really comes out how product focus he is, how user focus he is, um, and he's been studying how companies grow over time and uh, ways that data science can add value at every stage of a company's growth all the way to uh, to large companies. We speak about uh, you know the culture in data science, um, how you need to worry about the technology and people to be a good a good leader, uh, not only in data science but in business. I hope you guys uh, enjoy the episode. Hi, this is Felipe Flores, and I'm sitting here with Sam Karesmi. How are you doing, mate? I'm very good, thank you. Happy to be with you. Oh, this is excellent. This is excellent. I am. I'm very excited that we get a, a chance to to have a good chat. To hopefully, um, I think we'll cover a lot of things that will be helpful to to young and up and coming data scientists and people looking to get into the field. I know that um, in the past we always had really good conversations that I know I've gained a lot a lot of a lot out of. So I'm looking forward to to this one. Um, so thanks for sure. making the time, Matt. No worries. So first, I wanted to to ask you about how you got started and how you uh, went, came into the field because I find that for a lot of um, young people getting into the field, aspiring data scientists uh, or junior data scientists, sometimes they look at you know, heads of data science and data science leaders and they think, oh, I could never be like them mm-hmm. and, um, and they don't know how a person can go from being a junior data scientist to a head of data science. So that's why I'm always curious about asking about the early days and how you got started. How, how was that process for you? Well, uh, for me, it's a very long story because um, I remember I was 10 years old when my dad bought me a, a PC, basically, for the first time. So I started programming from there, very obsessed with the, um, with the whole development, algorithm, and a lot of things related to this. So uh, when I started studying, I, I, I picked computer science as my major in university, 
then at the same time I started uh, working in a company, I built my own startup, it was very small ones, but at least I got to experience the product side of the thing, the user side of the uh, uh, problem, basically. And um, uh, my main area of focus early on was on search, information retrieval, and security. And I got to experience different uh, contexts of the work. I collaborated with the defense industry a bit, and I collaborated with the product companies, consulting companies, and uh, I ended up doing my PhD as well in uh, information retrieval and machine learning. I had this passion from early on that I wanted to do a, a, a pure research on some of these areas wow. and uh, yeah I joined startups and basically focus work on, a, on a everything data science related from analytics to the building uh, uh, data-driven products and uh, here now I am. That is fantastic and that is that's yeah we definitely have a lot of gold to uncover there sure. because having the the focus on on product and on users uh, from early on and obviously working with with startups, it makes you think in very, um, in very lean ways, in very customer centric and customer obsessed ways. Um, you, I'm sure that um, did you find that that made you very pragmatic in your approach to to data science? I mean, um, I wouldn't say it made me very pragmatic, but mm -hmm. it gave me a bit of the reality. Mm -hmm. So I think reality out there is a bit different than online courses, yeah. to be honest. Yes. And uh, the reality is you are trying to solve the problem which most likely cannot be solved 100%. Mm -hmm. So it's to what degree you need to solve the problems that's addressing the main issue that you're trying to solve, basically. Um, so for me, working with the uh, startups gave me this exposure to the product management and product thinking and how you prioritize based on the different things and how you would select your priority if to give you an example if you can optimize a model or start a new one how do you select which one to do and there's a lot of factor into this so when you work on a small startup it's a matter of growth it's a matter of business it's a matter of staff it's a matter of resources you work on medium-sized companies it's a matter of is it aligned with the product roadmap is it aligned with our vision to do it what is the ROI on every staff that using? If you work on across the very big companies or corporates, then the story will be completely different. Mm -hmm. So it depends on the context and the stuff. I would say it's um, it gave me a different perspective that I couldn't get it from any courses or any academic qualification, which most likely is a combination of user problems and a business context. Yes, and um, was that something that, or how early in your career did you come across those those problems? Uh, I remember the first year of um, when I was doing the Bachelor of Computer Science, I worked um, with a company and basically that was the start of me building some stuff that has a user in, in perspective when you're thinking about it and when you're building uh, the product about it. So that was early on and after that I was very obsessed with this view of solving a real problem and not all the problem can be solved uh, by a very complicated approach. Some problems just need minor justification, understand what you're trying to address and that's it. And uh, in my perspective the whole phenomenon of data science using machine learning, using AI, 
they are all tools out there for you to solve the problem. Like, they are not the problem. They are tools to solve the problem. So to what degree you use them, it depends on the problem. So if you can find a problem that can be solved easily without putting a lot of resources or a lot of thinking, then that's the solution. Definitely, definitely. Oh, I completely agree, and I, and I love that. And I think sometimes there's so much focus on, on you know, the magic of machine learning and how cool it is, and machine learning engineers or practitioners are seen as, um, you know, as magicians almost. But <laughs> I, I completely agree that it's, it's a tool uh, to be used in part of solving a problem. Um, so what was, what was that first, um, the work that you were doing in that first company that you were talking about? What was the, the, the product and the, the users that you were working with? So the product was um, about um, how we can design a, um, a, a basically a vertical search engine which had a lot of um, um, interesting problems from the indexing strategy, from ranking strategy and everything. And I came across some multiple research areas that focused on the user problems. Mm -hmm. How user perceive the, the search result, how user understand the search result, how user interact with the search result. So that's uh, where I got my initial inspiration of, okay, a part of this um, equation of users. So users are important. Because if you want to think about that, so um, if we just think about the systems and machines, then it's very easy to optimize. Right? The complexity comes from the human side. Definitely. Which is not accurately, you can pinpoint it to the specific metrics and say, hey, I'm going to go and optimize this metrics. Because the challenge is which metric, which metric basically proxy the user interaction, user behavior. And if you can nail that one, then optimization, I think, is already being solved problem. Right? Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of lead there. So my inspiration was from early days um, uh, on those stuff. And I was, um, as a personal thing, I was very obsessed with reading about the technology and how company grows at the same time. So it wasn't about just reading how cool this programming language is. It was more about how cool this programming language is and how the other people are using it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, to me, was the key. Um, because I think the technology will come and go. Like in the past 15 years that I was working, I see a lot of technology comes and a lot of technology goes. But the principle of using technology remains the same. So the principle of working is not getting old, never. New techniques, new approaches will be invented to improve your work, but the principle is there. Definitely, yes. And I think that that sort of meta level is something that um, is missing in a lot of parts of of our specialty and I think in computer science in general where uh, I, I think that people get too obsessed on using one particular product or one particular technology and they just see themselves as practitioners of only that and not any anything wider or wider approaches. Sure. That's really, really interesting. So what, uh, what was, when you were working on, on search, um, what was it that um, the, the search engine was, was searching for? Oh, so the, the whole idea was, can we have a, because at that time, if I remember, Google was early on days, or um, uh, it's been like for a couple of years, uh, uh, the problem was Google was very optimized for English languages. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and we are trying to optimize it for a, a Persian language or Farsi, which Great. has been used as right-to-left language, different experience, uh, different um, um, uh, characteristic of linguists, linguistics, basically, based on that. So how we can optimize that um, uh, was, was the problem that they're trying to address. And I remember at some stage it was uh, more of a, uh, I'm not sure if you remember the shift between the Yahoo and Google having a, like a landing page that you can go through categories and the thing and that movement was basically happening yes. and people was most likely going to the um, uh, to the uh, shifting toward the search engines uh, especially like Google's from old search engines like Alta Vista, Yahoo, um, Ask Chiefs, this type of things or AI. Right. Um, um, so yeah, that was that was that uh, that combination of the problems uh, uh, was make it very interesting for me to go and work on it. Yeah, and it definitely um, forced you to to think about the psychology of the users and how they were perceiving the the rankings and how the information was presented. Um, that that is that is really really good. And was that a, um, a startup or or? Um, so um, the, start, the term startup wasn't very popular at yes. that time. <laughs> so it was basically companies who um, who wants to invest in a, in a new areas of, of uh, business growth, and that was one of the areas that was interesting to the company that I was working for. And uh, um, it was uh, different stakeholders, different uh, investors, basically in that company that want to move there. So I wouldn't name it a startup in the mm -hmm. sense that how we know startups nowadays, what it was a, um, a agile combination of pupils basically sitting together trying to make something happen. Yeah, something new for, for yeah. the company that ran the innovation. Interesting, interesting. And uh, it's, so, it's so great that um, from essentially from the very start of your career, you had so many interesting, um, a, com a really interesting combination of ingredients that I think yep. is, is difficult to find around having a, a product, looking at user psychology, and, and also your, one of your other interests around company growth, right, and, and that, that trajectory. Where, where, where did that, that interest on company growth, where did that come from? Well, I, I guess I probably something that's running in our family is we, most of us have, uh, have a kind of like an entrepreneurship spirit. So we try to build um, companies and, and um, or build products and make company out of them, basically. Mm -hmm. This is something that I had interest in parallel as well, always. And then when the startup boom happened, basically, I've, I've, I've found a lot of interesting points to go and follow um, and to build my knowledge around that as well. Because I think it's quite important that you understand the strategic value of what you're doing mm -hmm. in a long term and short term. Because mostly what people do is they are very focused on a local maxima to, to optimize. But there is another global maxima that you can still optimize your local maxima but move toward the global maxima and how you direct your movement toward that. Um, I think that that was quite interesting and fascinating uh, uh, problem from my perspective. So always was interested into um, uh, knowing that part of the thing, which you cannot learn from any books, by the way. So that, that's not that's teachable. Right. Like this is a more like a, you have to experience it, you have to be in a context, you have to 
meet many people, talk to many people, um, and learn from their experiences. That's right. And what, what would be um, an example of that difference between a, a local maxima and a global maxima? Or how do you think about the, the differences? Well, um, one of the things like from early on, if I wanted to give you an example, was when we build a search engine, the, um, the, uh, having a specific estimator for a specific language was not basically a very reasonable thing to do because the research wasn't um, enriched at that time or mature at that time to be able to build on top of the stuff. So you have to do a lot of investment and doing a lot of things and going forward. One of the key decisions in the company that has been made, and I haven't been part of it, but I can observe it, is they invest a bit in how to build this because they believe strategically that will be a key component of the, uh, the search engine going forward. Mm -hmm. So they agreed from the financial perspective to put two more resources and put, uh, basically pay their salaries to go and work on it. But to optimize in the local one, they adopt whatever that exists for the English language on that time and then start to building on top of that, and building it modular enough that you can replace it anytime that you want with the upcoming um, component. And that's one of the things that I see. But if we, when I grew up and, and, and worked in a different context, there was a lot of, um, I think, business decisions made around, around this um, uh, strategic direction of the things. Mm -hmm. if to give you an, another example is, I worked for another startup that, um, uh, uh, invest heavily in search with this perspective of, okay, search would be our main um, uh, stream of exposing the content or whatever that we have on our website um, to the organic traffic and to uh, our um, uh, users uh, when they come to a website to search. So lots of these things justify how you spend or how you put resources into doing this stuff. The smart thing is, can you put resources and uh, um, on and such a strategic components of your system, but still they keep delivering value. Yes, that's where the prioritization and the product management aspect of things would become the perspective of how we can move toward the final goal while we're delivering some goals along the way, without uh, sitting basically on a corner doing work for a year and come up and when you build something, you are behind everybody else. So yes. that's uh, that's a challenge. Um, and how to get this mix right, it's come from experience basically. Uh, a lot of trial and error, a lot of seeing other people fail, learn from them, fail myself, learn from it. Um, yeah, that's, that's the whole story and the combination of the experiences that I had so far. Well, that's, that's really interesting because I've, I've had um, in some ways similar experiences in the sense of um, really at times failing to to strike the balance between short-term outcomes and long-term outcomes and um, failing to see the the potential of what the the vision could be or should be right and um, how how do you balance the um, creating a vision that gives you a, a direction and delivering short-term value as you as you move along. Well, one of the key things is to me is um, I think it's kind of maybe I, I would jump into this too fast. Is 
this notion of um, to, to, to speak about data science, this notion of having data science as a team or across um, as an isolated team or embedded into other things. I think every uh, uh, section of the business that you work for, um, there should be some mission and some vision aligned with it. Mm -hmm. Because vision is set the direction where you want to go, right? And then after you have that vision, there is this roadmap of vision is where I want to get. Um, and, and roadmap is basically how can I get them, right? Um, so this roadmap of the product sense in it, I think, is the key that you understand these are the milestones that I need to meet mm -hmm. to be there. And from the prioritization perspective, this milestone was this much more than this milestone. And the investment that I'm going to make across these milestones will be this X and Y, so I can make a decision, a logical decision behind this. Lots of things that I have been seen uh, previously is when people, especially start a new role or being assigned to a new unit, what they do is they look for a short wins. So mm -hmm. they look for tactical wins. And yes. they say, hey, I can do this, this, this. It's going to save me six months time. And uh, um, most of the time is not very effective because you don't have any vision to move toward. So what you do is you end up doing six months, three months tactical works. And then you look around and you see you don't have anything in perspective. That's when you, you get into a work and you start developing vision, strategy, roadmaps on what you want to do. That's, that's, that's the main difference I've seen between the experienced data science leaders and, and um, uh, new data science leaders, basically. There's this balance of the experienced ones spend more time at the start developing the vision, understand the problem, understand the system, where the new ones is very keen to, to, to solve a problem, apply some of their techniques into the thing. So my suggestion would be, well, understand the context more, understand every corner of it. It might take a bit of time, that's fine. You can do some tactical stuff in a meanwhile, that's fine. But don't lose the perspective on it. So you have to go and understand what the problem is and build a vision on top of it. Definitely, definitely. And um, when, I guess, what, what is your process to, to go through, um, through that aspect of starting a new role or moving into a new uh, company or a new area and, and doing almost like the, the research reg required to, cr to create a vision? How do you go about, that, about it? Well, I'm, it's a, it's a, so there is no specific process that I follow. Yeah. Um, I um, I have my own style of doing things, and to me, communication and building relationship with people is very valuable. Mm -hmm. So in every business that you go, there's not a set of document that people give you and tell you, "Hey, read this, and you'll understand how our business works." It's not. It's people. Business work by the people, and these are people who are growing the business or moving into a specific direction. So to me, the initial steps is to get to know people a bit better, get to understand the context, get to understand the bigger strategy, get to understand the how we are doing compared to that strategy or vision that we want to go. Um, how does it work? Uh, where are the improvement opportunities? How these dots are connected together? And you can build a story around it. It's because at the end, it's, it's about the storytelling. So you want to be able to tell the story of the work that you're doing 
in a meaningful way that makes sense to everybody and everybody have an understanding of the impact and the value that you bring to the business or the new company or the new unit that you're doing it. That's a really good point. That is a really good point um, of explaining the, the work in the context of where the business is going, you know, in the context of um, the strategic objectives and priorities of, of the business. Um, instead of taking a, um, a role, it's almost like an antagonizing approach, um, which sometimes uh, I definitely have seen people take an antagonizing uh, position sure. to say almost, um, to say the data says we should do X, Y are you guys thinking about Y? And obviously, then there's a, a riff and a tension between the business and, and the, the data science. Um, but that's a really good way to do it. That you're. I think I think the key is to bring people on the journey with you. Like okay. I have one rule of thumb: do not surprise people. So do not just go into a meeting room and say, uh, "Well, all these things that you guys know is not true." The data says something else. Mm -hmm. So bring them on a journey of discovering this stuff or building the stuff. Try to have a, um, a ongoing communications and ongoing relationship with the people. It, it helps you know the business and those people better. It helps them understand the value of what you're doing better. And uh, uh, at the end, um, it's, it's, it's about data, it's about rigor, it's about evidence but it's about people as well. So people side of is, is the thing that, that most, most data scientists or most data science leaders are underestimated or undervalued. I think that's quite important. It's very important in an organization when you want to establish data science or um, track or data science capability, it's still important in a big corporation as well. So it depends on a really context, but to me, it's on top of uh, uh, in a t in a top three priority for me when I'm going to new places or want to start a new job. Connecting with the with the people and understanding connecting with the, the people and understanding from people perspective. Yeah, that is excellent. That is excellent. And um, in in your role at the moment, or or maybe in past roles, what are some of the those key stakeholders that you? that you look to develop relationships with? Well, I do not, um, to be honest, I do not like, categorize, categorize stakeholders in different directions. I wanted to have the relationship with these stakeholders and not have a relationship with those stakeholders. So I, I, um, um, I utilize any opportunity to build a relationship with anybody. Um, but most likely, it will be executive in, in a position that I work for or um, uh, directors at some sections. But again, it very depends on the um, um, organization, organizational structure and context that you're working. So if you are working on a small startup, well, there's not really a meaning of executive or having a director or anything. It's a matter of having a good relationship with everybody. Mm -hmm. If you're working on medium-sized startup, should be some sort of hierarchy. So what you want to do is you want to be able to um, to have an impact on a decision making or, or setting the direction of the company or setting the direction of the strategy, um, direction of the company uh, when they move. In a bigger company, it's about 
more how you have a good relationship uh, with your counterparts or uh, with most likely with the executive. Again, it depends. Some companies I've seen, the data science unit is not close to executive and some other companies I've seen, they are very close to the executives. So it depends really uh, uh, in the different context. But I would say there is a value in building relationship with anybody mm -hmm. in the company. Yes, you should have focus on some relationship more than the others, but do not ignore any. Interesting. That is that is really good, and I think difficult to to do um, because I think in general data scientists feel like um, like we're pressed for time, and that I think in general people uh, data scientists would see that relationship building is something that takes a lot of time maybe a lot of energy and that therefore should be uh, prioritized into where you um, where you're gonna choose to make inroads but I can definitely see the the benefit in in casting I guess the net broader and one, one of one of the benefits that I forgot to mention is it's not yeah. just about building relationships it's about setting the expectation as well right? okay so if you can bring them on the journey, their expectation will be set in the right direction. So you don't have pressure while you're working, or you don't have uh, too many deadlines to meet, or you don't have too much pressure on your team. So there is a lot of good thing can comes out of this, right? Um, and I think setting this expectation is the main goal of building relationships, mm -hmm. because you understand what they expect from you, and they understand what you expect from them. So you can be a team. And instead of the situation, the antagonizing situation or anything like this, yes. you can work as a team. I think this concept of um, um, building a dynamic and lean teams going forward is pretty working at this. Yes, it is very hard to maintain the same scenario in a big corporate like banks or everything else, but that's the nature of organizations. So most likely you can do some adjustment there, but I'm pretty sure bringing people on the journey will be way better than leaving them off somewhere. Definitely, a hundred, a hundred percent, hundred percent, yes. Um, I know that I've definitely made that, that mistake in the past and it's, it's a difficult one to recover from. Sure. Um, that's, that's really, really good. Um, and at the moment, um, in what are your, your main uh, areas of, of focus in, in your work currently? So, um, in my current work, um, um, my role is I'm a head of data science. Yes. I'm working across the core data science product and make company a bit more data driven in the stuff that they. So, the, uh, uh, the stuff that I do is basically range from uh, uh, guiding engineers who are leading teams to build data products like search, recommendation, personalization, paid optimization, to some um, uh, uh, data scientists who are focused more on analytics side of the, um, uh, um, the context of my work to focus on user economy, experimentation, and um, optimizing pricing, for example, optimizing tax, optimizing shipping costs, or business efficiency in general. So this is the spectrum of the things that I work. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things from my background is um, uh, I've worked as a, um, um, there, I, I think there are two types of data scientists. Some type is more focused on a 
building and engineering side of the story. The others focus on more analytical side of the story. Mm -hmm. I'm more of that type that focused on a, a engineering story. I was working as software engineer as a director of software engineering. Um, I have an obsession with the software engineering as well as data science as well. Mm -hmm. So because I have that skill set, I'm doing a bit more than what the normal head of data science does, which is uh, uh, managing and developing people as an engineer across the organization as well. That's great. That's great. Um, and so the, the so do you have so you have people in your team that that do software software engineering as well as data science? Is that right? Yes, that's right. That's fantastic. And um, because it is it is extremely powerful to combine the the two um, in the one roof, I guess. Um, and how, how did you get into that position or how did you see that, that it was a, a benefit? Is it because of your, your background in, in software engineering? Um, it's partly because of my background, partly because this um, mis I think this misunderstanding or ambiguity of the data science when different people talk about it. Okay. So if I'm pretty sure if you go to a meetup and talk to 10 people, probably they have 10 different perspectives of what data science means. Yes. So to me, in a startup community and startups, is is more about um, building data-driven product. Or if want to find a similar job in a, like a big companies that have research centers, more like applied researchers. Mm -hmm. And some other type, which is working on mostly on a marketing, for example, optimized marketing, or, or um, at some um, specific units which are drive insights to the business or reports to the business. Um, these two differences. To me, I'm more fan of the applied research scientists who can um, do stuff independently in a reusable fashion, mm -hmm. basically. So that that's the key. So you don't want um, a, a data scientist to start working and then it's not being used across the organization. Yes. It's not being uh, utilized by the other people. Uh, it's not, uh, 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 or he or she cannot be able to hand it over to a new data scientist. So these are all like overheads. Yes. Where can you prevent the overheads in your organizational uh, structure. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the key things is you need to have all mix, all flavor of data science basically in your thing. But one of the flavors that would definitely have data scientists who can code and who can code good yes. quality. Um, so this, this is the key for me. And again, it depends on the context. Currently, I'm working on a, a marketplace. It's a key for a marketplace to mm -hmm. be able to have this. Maybe one day I go work for a consulting company. It's not very key in, in that context to have it. So it's very depends on the context, but one of the things that I suggest and grow to the people is software engineering is it looks like your tools. So you should have a good toolbox. You should have everything available in your toolbox. You can use them uh, as appropriate. And definitely for me is a plus one if I see this uh, dot scientist has a software engineering background or they can. Uh, code uh, uh, in a production quality. Yes, that is that is really really good. Um, do you usually look for that when you're when you're hiring data scientists? Yes, I look for how much experience. Um, um, 
uh, do they have in a uh, software engineering context. Mm -hmm. Nor it depends on the stage of the company. If you want to establish a new team, you basically look for people uh, who are most close to unicorn. It's not possible. Yes. But when you have established team, you have established units that's working. Probably you look for more specialization. Example: If I wanted to uh, um, hire a person to work on a paid uh, uh, marketing optimization, it's equivalently important for me to have the similar background before as well as software engineer. So not necessarily software engineer. Do not have software engineer background would be a minus one mm -hmm. in this context. But as a generalist, I would prefer people who can do coding to some degree. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, is there anything else that you look for when uh, hiring data scientists? I, I am product thinking is, is the other thing uh -huh. that, that uh, I value a lot. Uh, people very uh, 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 customer problem oriented. So they think in a way that to solve a customer problem, they do not jump into a solution without understanding the problem. They do not obsess with using um, uh, cutting edge technology when it's not necessary. This is this is the second factor. Yes. The third factor, which is um, quite important for me, is how good they are in the um, uh, in, in uh, building relationship with other people, uh, mm -hmm. communicating with other people. I've seen many talented data scientists. They know the ins and outs of different algorithms, different things, but they cannot explain it. So that's where I think to me, yes, it will work if you have a team of 50 data scientists, they are not getting to collaborate with anybody else, mm -hmm. but most likely in the context of like a Melbourne that you're working, it's not many companies that have this, so you should be able to communicate with everybody. So one of the key things that I do is, because most of these guys has a PhD, has a PhD I ask them to explain the thesis to one of our um, uh, uh, nice HR people that attending the first interview with us. Yeah. And that's basically the key, because what I expect from a good and experienced data scientist is they can explain the stuff in a simple language, so everybody else can understand. And it's all about bringing other people in the journey. It's, it's about not being a black box, not being a magic, right? So we are magician, you don't understand what we're doing, this is coming in, this is coming out. This is not going to work, it's not scalable. Yes. Why, why do you think that that approach doesn't work? Well, one of the things is, um, it is, so think like this. If you go to a shop and somebody try to sell you a box and say, this is good stuff in a box, but you don't know what is it. <laughs> so you have to pay for it. Right? So you, ha you wanted to have some sort of understanding, right? So making other people understand would reduce the risk level in their mind perspective so they don't think it's a risky move to do some stuff so they can understand what's the value and what's the impact is I think that's the key mm -hmm. that's the key everybody understand what you do why you're publishing paper by end of your PhD or during your PhD because you want to tell everybody else this is the impact of the work that I've done can you go into a, a probably corner of an office in a university do your PhD for five years submit your thesis and it's done sure but what's the value of doing that? Mm -hmm. So bringing other people into the journey will um, establish a credibility for a data scientist, uh, in my perspective. And, and they know they can trust you and rely on your knowledge going forward because you can communicate with them 
what they do not understand by reading technical stuff or, or um, some materials of the internet. Correct. So it helps in, in develop their, their relationship um, yeah. with the other parts of the business. And how do you, how do you guide uh, the, the other areas that you work with? How do you guide them into what, what can be done with data science and what should be done? So, um, again, it depends on the context, but mm -hmm. in the current context, there is a lot of um, data is there, right? A lot of user interaction, a lot of historical data. I think one of the key things is, um, is um, to have some sort of uh, insight from the data to be able to, to build a story around that. The thing, thing is, um, my, in my experience is extracting insight is one valuable thing. Mm -hmm. Telling a story around that is the most powerful thing. Yes. So um, everybody can go dig the data, um, uh, find some interesting insight, but how they connect the dots between this insight and how they build a story, that's, that's the most valuable thing. So to me, one of the things that I do is I look for um, these insights and I connect the dots. Mm -hmm. And when I telling other people or explaining to the other people, I tell them a story. This is the story, this is the opportunity size, this is the uh, amount of effort you need to put in, and this is where we can get after one year, this is where we can get after five years, this is when we can get after 10 years. Mm -hmm. So you show them a, a, a beautiful story with a very good picture at the horizon, everybody will buy it, yes. so everybody will listen to it. And also it's a, like a verification step for yourself as well. Mm -hmm. You don't wanna uh, extract a lot of meaningless insight out of the data, which is not valuable for nobody. I know most of the people think, okay, we extract this insight, we think it's valuable, sure, but you're not every part of the story. There are other people's part of this story. There are other people's that needs to to make sense of your insight as well. So yes. the, the one way is to just give them insight, let them make sense of it, mm -hmm. or you can help them make sense of it by building a story. So, so to me, the key is, this is a very good step in justifying the opportunities, understanding more about opportunities, de-risking what you are doing, and bringing other people on board as well. That's good, because it means that you have to learn a bit about their side of the business and about their sure. perspectives in order to be able to communicate in their, in their language. Sure, I, I think for, the, for some roles, you need to be able to do that, especially if you want to move to a leadership roles. Um, uh, you should be able to understand the business perspective. You should be yes. able to understand the human perspective um, as well as the technical perspective. I think that's that's the key. Yes. And how did you develop those other two two sides, the the people perspective and the business one? Well, the people I've done uh, a, a lot of study and uh, basically working in a different startups, working with different people and experiences. Um, I get that. Uh, the other thing that um, I, I think it's very valuable is um, um, I'm pretty sure lots of people go to universities, take some majors that doing bachelor, master's, or PhD. One of the things is utilize that environment to developing your skills. 
into that direction. Go do as much as presentation as you can. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid of being criticized by the other people. Go get feedback, seek feedback. So this is how you can improve. I mean, human is not like a machine learning system, mm -hmm. but human can improve based on feedback as well, right? Yes. So if you don't have any input to your system or the way that you think or the way that you develop yourself, probably you cannot expect to, to improve on anything. So I think building this feedback loop for yourself, it's very powerful. So you get feedback all the time and you know where to work on and you pick the top three weakness of, of, of yourself and you work on it and you develop them. So people was one of my weaknesses, business was the other one. Mm -hmm. So I focused on them. I tried to read a lot, I tried to um, I listen to different people with different experiences, I tried to apply them as well. Uh, uh, which was very key for me because I don't think so reading books gonna just help you. You have to read book and apply them. You have to listen to the people and apply the experiences and come with your own style. Everybody is different with, with somebody else. So, so you have to find your own comfort zone where you can move while pushing yourself a bit to, to be better. Definitely. That's, that's really good about having both the, um, the learning and the practice. So having those hand by hand, um, side by side, and, and, and doing both um, instead of yeah, just staying on the on the theoretical side and not implementing, that's really good. Um, and how how are the um, well ac actually what I what I what I actually want to ask you is what what are you working on um, on yourself professionally? What are you working on at the moment? Uh, from the personal development or from yes. technical perspective? Uh, from, more, from both. So I'm working at, at, at the moment, I'm very focused on um, uh, skill up myself on business strategy mm -hmm. and um, uh, uh, business development basically uh, and company growth at the mid-sized companies. So I'm trying to focus that and how we can apply um, uh, data science or applied research or um, advanced technologies basically in this company to to um, uh, make faster growth, rapid growth on a company. So my, my focus now is on that area plus I always um, uh, keep an eye on my technical skills as well. So try to, uh, to be aware of new technology, test them. Um, uh, although I'm a, um, a head of data science, but I try to um, uh, uh, contribute to the applications and to the code as well, as much as I can. Yes, I'm not a full-time uh, developer to sit there and do that, but I try to do that uh, as much as I can. That's great. That's really good. And what uh, what resources are you um, looking into on the on the business growth side? Well, I um, I think uh, uh, lots of that coming from talking to the uh, people who are doing this. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to the um, 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 uh, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. I read a lot of books and um, I think papers. Some stuff, some particular stuff like business people refer to, like Harvard Business Review, for example, mm -hmm. or these type of things is very standard. Uh, but look for more than this. So there is in these days the good thing is there's a lot of resources. There's mass resources. Yes. Um, and I think uh, uh, after a while you you basically find out which ones are most useful for you. So you go and follow them up. 
Yes. Have you uh, come across any, any standouts recently? Some that have, that have been really good? Um, There are some podcasts that I get a lot from them and business stuff, which is the Recode Postcats, uh, Master of Scales for Reed Hoffman, yes. How I Built It, Guy Rands. Um, uh, yeah, th these podcasts are pretty good. Um, uh, um, yeah, th these are mostly... Uh, they're really good. To them. They, are, they are pretty good. I like them. This, this um, gives you the, the missing perspective that especially technical people uh, lack most of the time. Yes, I agree. That's really good. Thank you. No worries. Um, and I wanted to ask you about the, the structure of your, of your team mm -hmm. and how are the, the responsibilities split up? Because you, you mentioned that there was a, almost like a, a data science side and an analytics side. Mm -hmm. um, but what about the, the storytelling and the um, Engage in engagement with the rest of the business. How does that fit into the to the team structure? So um, I'm I'm personally, based on my experience, not fan of in in the context of the startup and marketplaces, not fan of having core data science team at this scale. Mm -hmm. So what, and what do scale is that? Is is like a 200, 250 people yep. uh, company. Um, uh, uh, what we do is uh, we build uh, product teams out of data scientists, engineers, um, uh, product designers, um, um, and product managers. Great. So these um, product teams working together to, um, to deliver some roadmaps, basically. Some of these products, some of these roadmaps are very data science um, heavy, like search, core search, or core recommendation. So most of the people there are data scientists, that software engineer, the first category of data scientists that I talk to. And with the PM, they're working toward us. Some other business area, they are not necessarily building products, but they're working on business um, efficiency. Mm -hmm. Example, we have a different pricing. Do you want to change the pricing? How we can experiment it? These are the areas that the second category of data scientists are mostly analytical focus yes. are helping and working. Um, how these people are interact with each other. So we have this function of data science. They talk to each other regularly, they share ideas, they're reading papers, they write codes together, we keep this one live. And everybody moving toward the general data science vision that we have, which is keep the, uh, the competitive advantage of the company up, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how we work uh, here in Redbubble. Um, that's great. And are there, um, are there projects that might be only data science projects that um, might be around building new capability or new infrastructure that then can be leveraged by the, the product uh, projects or the, um, the cross-functional teams that you were mentioning? Uh, sure, some of the stuff like the experimentation platform, for example, uh -huh. being built by one team, being utilized by a lot of other, com other teams as well search functionality being built on one team, being utilized across the company as well. Recommendation and personalization are the same thing. Yes. So lots of this stuff that you do is not about having the verticals or silos. Yes. It's more about having the uh, metric setup. So basically you have a, a horizontal uh, functions and you have vertical deliveries. So how these two collaborate each other? We don't have just dot science, we have design, we have um, um, uh, 
uh, um, supply chain, we have all sorts of other things. So um, how do these delivery things collaborate with this stuff? Well, that's the mechanics of the work. So you, you set up the milestones, you set up communication points, they talk to each other regularly and all moving toward the same uh, direction, which is making it enable. Um, it's, it's not very easy to set it up and make it work, mm. uh, uh, but it's a scalable way of moving forward uh, in our perspective at this stage for, for this company. Uh, different companies might adopt different things. The key things for me about data science here is data scientists should be able to work collaboratively with the other people, with the other stakeholders. And they should be in communication with each other as well. I think that's the key. Yes. Any of those missing, there's a problem. Yes, exactly. And for that, do you guys co-locate the, the teams working on um, the, the cross-functional teams when they're working on, on one project together? Do you if, put them together? If they, if, they, if they need to be co-located, then yes. Uh -huh. Most of the times there is a bit of a, 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 a difference in the roadmaps and everything. But again, because they're using the same platform, there's a lot of point. They want to ask questions. They want to run something passed by someone else who built that systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, it will be faster for them to reuse some of the technology to build in the other team. So lots of this implicit, natural way of building these um, uh, communication channels and feedback loops is basically happening. That's great. That's really, really good. And um, you guys have a few locations around the world. Do people collaborate a lot? across different locations or is it mostly within the, the location? So other than Melbourne, we have Berlin office and uh, San Francisco office. We don't have that much that science interaction with Berlin yet. Mm -hmm. It's newly established um, um, office, I think one year ago. Nice. San Francisco, uh, our paid marketing team or global acquisition basically, it's, uh, it's there the data science effort is in Melbourne. So they collaborating uh, uh, consistently on a daily basis Together. There's not much overlap time between um, San Francisco office from time perspective and Melbourne yes. office, but again, because all of those moving toward the same direction, mm -hmm. they have just milestone and checkpoints while they have overlapping time and the rest just fall in place. That's excellent. That's excellent. Um, I wanted to ask you more about leadership in, in data science. What do you think makes a great uh, data science leader? Uh, very good question. So I think it really depends what do we mean by data science leader, right? So um, there are different type of leaders. There are technical leaders, there are people leaders, there are business leaders. I think to me um, the answer is quite, um, uh, quite obvious in terms of uh, technical leaders. So the people who are advanced in their technical skills, they are keeping themselves update, up to date with the, with the new technologies and new approaches that are coming to the board, and they can lead the team. Right? Um, from the people perspective, um, um, it's most likely who can help other people um, grow and develop in what they are, who can mm -hmm. help them become a better version of themselves and whatever they're, they're aiming for. Um, um, and I think great people are people who can do it consistently across multiple teams, across multiple people. So there's no bias toward a specific personality or a specific uh, characteristics of a person that make it enable. 
Um, and I think that comes with a lot of uh, experience. So even you have a lot of experience, you get how to do it uh, in a better way. Um, the, 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 I think to me, the business leaders, data science from the business leaders, are the leaders who can do people and technical. So there's these hybrid things, right? Yes. So uh, this hybrid to me is, is I'm always uh, fascinated by this idea of um, people, data scientists should be across multiple things. So this hybrid type of skills, to me the best people are the people who can set goals, meet goals, set expectations, meet expectations, and help other people grow with them. So that's that's the key to me. If if, if a person is just one dimensional into technical or into people, mm. I don't think so. Um, I would call it a great data science leader. So to me, the leader is who can push the boundaries, who can push the people to their limit so they can become a better version of themselves. And implicitly, the company will be in a better position going forward um, from that thing. And remember, the, 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 the one, of, one of the key things in the data science teams, which uh, we might end up talking about this is how people keep themselves happy right? yes. in the workplace, which is mostly we see now uh, is more and more happening with people working in one place for one year, two years. Mm -hmm. They're getting disappointed. They get bored. They want to leave. So another characteristic of a, of a good data science leader is how can you help people and get people motivated enough to develop themselves that you have a high retention rate. It might not be very um, true for software engineers, but I think for the data scientists who are coming as with the title of data scientists, it's quite a common thing that I can see people try or to change jobs like this, look for new jobs and new opportunities because they are not being empowered enough to utilize their skills in the current setup. And I think setting this expectation with your uh, reports mm -hmm. and your team members is, is the key for me so they know how this interaction will work exactly that's great and how how do you how do you um, mentor people and help them help them grow what are your your approaches on that side so um, to me it's a um, it's a very um, uh, Mentoring people, uh, in, there's a different level of mentorship, right? Mm -hmm. Mentoring people is, is not an easy problem. Yes. Right? Um, what I do is normally, I, um, which is a com combination of f providing feedback, which I talked about, and mentorship is, um, uh, providing feedback is basically, these are what we understand from you. Mentorship to me is, these are your weaknesses, this is how I suggest you can work on this, mm -hmm. right? So uh, uh, my thing, my approach is more like, am I being able to, to, to get my t team member to set some goals as an as a early stage, and then monitor how they progress toward their goals. Uh -huh. And in the meantime, uh, I identify some weaknesses, and then uh, I guide them toward some directions that I know work before, reading books, experiences, maybe talking to them, uh, explaining to them how I see the situation, what do they think about it, and, and bring them on a journey of self-development, basically. Yes, correct. Them. So that's, that's, that's my approach of doing it uh, in, in, a, 
in a current situation. That's excellent. So you take a combination of uh, self-directed growth with uh, guided or assisted growth. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you want to you want to teach your team members fishing, not just give them fish. So that's 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 how I see it. That's right. But how about in the areas that they should that they should um, develop their skills in? Um, do you do that mostly as people should work on on the areas that they think are weaknesses, or do you give them uh, almost like less less formal than a development plan? But do you give them goals and areas to work on that you think that they should develop? I, I normally do not give goals to any people. Uh -huh. I, my my preference is that they come up with their own goals. Yes, they have this understanding of. What are the top priorities on what they want to go? Yes, I help adjust some goals if they are very off. Yes. But uh, uh, I think one of the things is if you put them in a framework, like this, this is a smart framework around goal setting, for yes. example, this should be specific, measure, measurable, and, and the rest of the characteristics that they should have. So if, if all the goals that they set is, is the same thing, normally the goals are, are good. I help them, I do not like give them a, 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 a routine or a guideline that you need to follow this because I think it's uh, uh, we are so in a in a in a fast-paced uh, 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 era that you can't really have a one prescription working for everybody right I agree so you have to tailor it to some degree to each individual and uh, do it as best as you can and to me making them be involved in that section maybe sharing a bit of a journey of myself with them, sharing what I'm working on and myself in details with them. So that's built this bridge between you and report so they can, um, uh, they can basically follow or get inspired uh, by some of the other things. So to me, yes. the key is to point them in the right direction, point them in the right materials so they can build on top of it. I don't think your job as a, as a manager or as a mentor is to feed them. You your job is to basically show them uh, where they can get this information or where can they can answer this hunger uh, in terms of uh, knowledge and information available. Yes, all the times it's not like this. Sometimes you need to be very hard on some of the clients, uh, but I, in, in my experience, 99% of the times it was very okay going with my approach forward so far. That's excellent. Yes, that's great. So the, what I was what I was trying to, to get to there is how do you make them see that they that a person should develop themselves on areas that are maybe outside of their expertise currently. So for example if we say somebody might be really good technically but they need to work on their people skills or in their business skills. Um, but it sounds like you base that on on your experience and your your journey on what value that's brought to you and how it could help them is that is that right and to some degree this to some degree it's a matter of the personal preferences as well to be honest okay so, um, sometimes you have this developing beyond so if if you let's uh, use an example if mm -hmm. you're a technical person you can grow or develop to a certain degree just using your technical skills yes right? so if you want to go beyond that you need some extra skills. Mm -hmm. You need some people skills, you need some business skills, you need some other skills. Well, so the way that I do is I pose the question back to them. I said, 
which way you want to go. Do you want to remain a technical person? Do you want to grow beyond the technical person? Do you want to be more than just a data scientist? What do you want to do? And everybody has a, a preferences. Yes. Sometimes I can point them to the, their skill set or the talent or the, the opportunity even exists and say, well, if you work on these specific skills, this opportunity might open up. Are you interested in that opportunity? If you are, we have to build up this track of these skills because that's going to help you toward that direction. So it's a combination of um, uh, 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 painting the picture for them and let them choose. Yes. To me, is, is the key. Um, uh, I did not get a very good experience of pushing people toward a specific direction if they are not convinced that's the right path for them. Correct. That's that's really good. That's really good to make it yeah self-directed and and essentially wait for the person to be self-aware on some other weaknesses and have and combine that with their aspirations yeah. um, that's that's really really good that's really good um, how long have you been doing that for past um, even this approach of the thing yes I probably passed six to seven years great great and um, what are the differences that you've seen in, in people as a result of well, I improved myself in terms of like the skill set, how to communicate, how to deal with different personalities, how to deal with different um, ambitions um, in a different context. Yes. Some of the things that um, I like, one of the big things that I thought and is helping me a lot is um, normally, I think it's coming from very much from the goal setting, which is the early, the, f the first brick when you put in place basically if that's wrong. So I've seen a lots of people put their goals um, as a, um, uh, like a salary or a title mm -hmm. or um, anything like this. And my suggestion to my people is, is, is uh, these are all good. I'm not ignoring this. These yes. are all excellent goals to have. But to be honest, this stuff should be the side effect of your impact. Correct. It shouldn't be your impact. It's, it's, you, cannot, you cannot see any uh, I cannot at least see any future if you're moving toward um, this stuff because sure you can get paid this much but I can guarantee you will not get paid this much in the next five years mm -hmm. right yep. so um, what my suggestion is figuring out where you have some weaknesses cover them and as a side effect if the titles if the money if the compensation if any sort of other things that you like with it comes that's great if it didn't come, it doesn't mean you're not deserving. So it's it's a it's 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 about how um, how you can uh, picture the future for yourself and what are your goals. Is to me the goals should be focused on yourself, improving yourself, making a better version of yourself, and everything else will fall into place. That's my experience so far. That's what I learned in the in the past probably uh, 15 years of working and seven years of leading different different peoples yes definitely that's that's excellent that's excellent because I remember a time in my career where I didn't do that right I didn't focus on um, I guess on the input metrics right the ones that you have a greater control over uh, I focused on on the output metrics around salary and title and things that I was chasing 
and it's um, chasing that didn't make me happy, didn't make me improve quickly, it didn't, um, I didn't have direct control over those things, right? But if I, or when I took the approach that you're describing of saying, how can I be uh, the best version of myself? How can I be, you know, either a better data scientist or a better manager, a better leader, and work on those weaknesses to make myself more valuable? That's when um, I, I got a real sense of, of uh, joy out of the journey, a sense of accomplishment. I, I felt that I could help other people a lot more uh, by doing that. And you, uh, uh, and you almost forget about the, the other output metrics. You basically invest on something that the return is guaranteed, right? Correct. That's a, that's a smart investment. Exactly. Uh, so do you prefer to do a risky investment or a smart investment? Exactly right. <laughs> that's very, very true. Very true. Um, that's, that's fantastic. So we've, we've spoken about the, um, essentially the, the data scientist and how to, we've spoken really about how to be a great data scientist. We've spoken about how to be a great data science leader. So let's, let's talk about the next, the next level up. How, how do you think, um, what do you think would be missing between a, a data science leader and a, uh, somebody working at a C level uh, <laughs> in, in companies? Uh, that's a very good question. <laughs> so I think we talked about that previously, right? Exactly. Um, and I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, so, so to me, um, to me the, the, the first question that I ask is, should every data scientist think a C-level as their career progression? And my answer is no, for Definitely. sure. Definitely. Definitely. And that's, uh, that's not a cup of tea for everybody. Mm. Um, uh, and that's not necessarily any means or metric of success. I don't think so. Yes. Um, I go back to your question, mm -hmm. which if you want to be, how you can get there. To me, the keys to all the skills that, that they uh, uh, explain, business skills, people skills, technical skills. If you want to be there, you definitely should be able to connect these dots between these skills and have a strategic perspective on top of this stuff. Remember, what C-level do is they basically set the strategy. They do not execute, right? Yes. They set the strategy but have execution in their perspective. Mm -hmm. So what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to um, to open a lot of opportunity for yourself and have that understanding of, of what does it mean to be a C-level. Um, to me, one of the keys, because data science is a bit of an um, 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 ambiguous uh, term for, for a job title, to be honest. Now, yes. in the market, everybody has a lot of different understanding of it. So to me, the question is, what type of C you want to be. So lots of people are strategic C, lots of people are execution um, uh, level C. To me, there are a bunch of uh, open uh, executive roles that I can see if somebody wants to grow, which is a chief technology officer, chief data officer, chief marketing officer. Mm -hmm. um, so these are the possible three things. Um, well, for any of those, 
you need to have a specific um, skills and specific experience. A chief technology officer probably the software engineering side of things will be very important. Chief marketing officer, the business side of the thing will be very important. Chief data officer, probably all of this will be important. Yes. But uh, these roles does not necessarily exist. For example, chief data officer just exists for the big companies. There's mm -hmm. no justification for having it um, uh, for the smaller companies. CTO roles or CMO roles exist for the uh, for the smaller companies as well. So it's a matter of I think. Um, there is a different level of skills and perspective and strategy that you should understand and you should have to be able to move that thing. Again, coming back with the goal setting and having your uh, understanding, a good understanding of your skills, your strengths and your weaknesses. Um, if your goal is to become a C, then set up your uh, goals toward that direction and work on the skills and the strengths and weaknesses that put you mostly toward that direction. Um, uh, uh, it's an interesting thing. I think it's a very interesting problem in general at the uh, industry because these new data scientists will come up, they look for a career progression, and uh, I've seen some more CDO jobs being opened. Um, it's, I think it's a very new field, so we'll see how it evolves going forward. Yes, exactly. And um, yeah, so uh, I'm so glad that, that you mentioned um, other C-level positions outside of chief data officer or chief data scientist and the chief technology officer and chief marketing because that's, that's really one of the reasons why I, wanted, I, I started the podcast because I would love to see data scientists in leadership positions um, in, in business, in government, in not-for-profits, in any type of organization. I think that the, the analytical thinking uh, can bring so much benefit and so much value that uh, I would love to, um, to, I guess, encourage people to, to think about it and to, and if it is, as you say, like if it is right for them to make it something that they pursue, and to go broader than than just data, I think that the business and um, applications are are really interesting. And you know, I've I've seen uh, looking at sort of the careers of different executives. I've seen people that came from um, doing you know uh, finance or like um, or accountant to becoming CFO to then CEO. Or sometimes people start in marketing and then they move to finance and then um, then they go for a CEO level. And I think that um, in the future, the we can make those types of transitions from data science lateral to different business applications and then and then up. What what do you think? Um, I think the same. I think the having data science skills it should be. And, uh, a positive sign, not negative. So it shouldn't limit you. It should open your opportunities. Yes. And that's why I'm emphasizing a lot on the other skills as well, like your business, people, strategy. Um, I think that's. I, I I could see that easily. Data scientists would provide, if it's not more similar amount of value in terms of skills and bringing new perspective and fresh perspective into the table as it comes to that career progression. 
But again, it's something that we'll see how it evolves. It's very new. Um, we have a different meaning. CDO in one company has a completely different meaning to CDO to the other company. Yes. So we, we, we should see. We should see really how, how it, um, uh, it will go uh, in, in future. I'm very optimistic that we will see more data scientists and, um, uh, and then uh, executive positions uh, very soon. Um, well, it might take a bit of time, but we'll see. That's right, but that'll, that'll, be, that'll be excellent. So just to, um, I guess, to wrap up, I wanted to ask you about some of the current challenges in, in data science and some of the future challenges in data science, and you can take them both together or, or separately. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna address this in, in two folds. One mm -hmm. is the technical things, and the other thing is the um, uh, from the uh, from the leadership perspective. So I think from the um, technical perspective, well, we see a lot of promising advancement in the machine learning area, in AI area. <coughs> which is very fascinating. I think that comes with its own risk as well. So there will be a lot of great applications, a lot of um, uh, uh, useful things, but the downside of this would be, um, which I think the key to the, to the good data scientist is when to use what, Yes, basically. It, it is a matter of, is it gonna create a state of confusion or is it going to create a state of um, enablement so you can go enable you to do a lot of stuff so that that's from technical perspective I think. from the leadership perspective I think there's a lot of um, interesting things that come up from um, how to build a data science organization in a company how to establish a team how to recruit uh, this type of stuff is, is getting evolved as we're going forward now mm -hmm. we see more um, uh, consulting firm interested into advanced analytics, advanced data science. They they do uh, uh, um, have a uh, maybe uh, annual review or annual feedback on the whole states. We see more and more data points coming together. We see challenges like a GDPR rules mm -hmm. in, in Europe. The um, the challenges that Facebook has about the privacy, about the personal. Um, uh, uh, Information, which I think uh, technically is a very interesting problem. Yes. Uh, uh, but from the business perspective and leadership perspective, would be a problem uh, or a challenge as well. Um, and how uh, companies will evolve uh, around this, that's uh, a very interesting um, uh, area for me to, 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 uh, to observe. Um, in, in general, I think I've seen this trend of. Um, more and more we have this concept of, um, so this is two things happening which is very interesting. We're pushing more and more toward a very automated systems like a Google AutoML for example. Yes. That you can feed a lot of stuff back into it and basically take care of business. Mm -hmm. Which is gonna enable a lot of businesses. And at the same time we see the rise of the job titles like machine learning engineers mm -hmm. or this type of thing which is more falling into the first category of the data scientists that I talked to. So I see these two going up hands in hands and which is interesting because they are kind of contradictory. Correct. So um, um, uh, th these are the areas that I look for and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, very interested to see how it goes moving forward. 
as a as a suggestion for the who, whoever listening to this podcast is my suggestion is that's exactly uh, I think kind of pointing out what I tried to to mention about the skills on software engineering business and the people skills is regardless how much advancement do we have it's not going to replace all these skill sets so don't yes. make yourself silos into the um, one area try to expand your horizon try to to upskill yourselves in a lot of areas and that will make you very valuable going forward uh, but these are again the technologies we're gonna have I'm pretty sure in 10 years time way more advancement than this stuff mm-hmm. it's coming and going away it's how we can utilize them to make our life better everybody's uh, life better bring some value to the world everybody will benefit from it so that's the key exactly that is that is awesome that is awesome um, now really really interesting observations there because I yeah I think with um, um, with the, the data protection regulations I I, I wonder what, what do you think I, I think that it's based around people wanting the main problem is people want to know what is being done with their with their data not necessarily restrict the access to their to their data do you think do you think so or do you think do you see it differently I think I what I, what I um, first of all I'm not a uh, legal personal lawyer so yeah. I have a limited understanding of uh, GDPR and mm. data protection uh, that being offered by EU but um, my understanding of when I look at the position is, is is most likely people or users do not understand the trade of between the value exposing their data created mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, the data will create to them and to the uh, platform provider yeah so um, uh, as a person I should be able to see how my data will be utilized yes going forward and to some to what degree that that's the other part I think pretty um, uh, pretty much important and uh, interestingly it's not new I remember I watched the um, uh, uh, maybe 2010 record conference or all the conference uh, uh, Kira Swisher asked Steve Jobs what do you put what is his definition of the privacy was? And his response was fascinating, which is something we let user know, his, his response was something along this line, we let user know in every steps that we're going to use their data. Yes. Which was uh, pre- pretty, pretty interesting because now we're coming basically to the same conclusion. I think that's, that's the trade-off of, again, people are stakeholders. Bring them on the journey of what value you'll create using their data mm. and let them know how you use their data I think it's a very valid uh, valid argument and an ethical argument to be built to be honest there are some um, uh, uh, confusion around that mm-hmm. like uh, sure if you are a machine learning engineer you build a model you can get rid of data what's going to happen to the model mm-hmm. right yeah. that's uh, th- these are stuff around this is would be interesting <coughs> I think the fact that we give people um, more visibility and more control about their privacy is something I think is the right thing to do mm-hmm. um, going forward. Uh, lots of stuff is the right thing to do, but implementation of them 
can go completely wrong. Completely so, wrong. Uh, that that's what I'm keen to understand. To what extent this uh, uh, data protection rule will be uh, interpreted and how widely it will be used. How big companies like Google, Facebook, gonna lead the direction toward there? Um, it's fascinating. Definitely. Um, and and the question for me is: At what point do you do you tell? It, it, look, it even sounds sounds a bit a bit dodgy, but at what point do you tell users uh, that you're using their data for specific models or applications, right? Because there there has to be a, a level of experimentation and new product development that that requires, I guess, some level of of secrecy, right? But then once things are moved into production or that's my question at what point do you do you say to people look we're using your data for for this and it's going to give you this value because now it's been proven uh, versus we're thinking we could use your data for for this purpose uh, but we don't know what's going to happen and essentially through that you can expose a lot of the competitive advantage and first mover advantage that, that companies may have um, that the, the that value that they get from experimenting with with the, the user's data. Well, I think it's it's at the. I'm not sure to be honest, but I think at the end we're gonna end up in a situation like a donation situation. Like right? mm -hmm. you donate your money for some good causes uh, without knowing too much detail about. Them. Yes. Um, so probably our data will be our donation in the future. So um, uh, I'm not sure to what degree that's gonna be followed by the companies but it's definitely some interesting privacy specific focused um, area of, of research or, or advancement needs to happen and maybe we need to redefine how we think about personalization maybe we need mm. to redefine how we think about the optimization maybe uh, um, uh, companies need to think more than just turning the knobs and and building new values or, or creating new values for the uh, for the users, um, so they can get more money. I think there is a lot of room. It's a matter of like a direction, which yes. direction we want to go. Um, I think lots of benefit into using personal data, especially in the health sector, mm -hmm. uh, in this new uh, AI boom that's happening. We see a lot of small startup utilizing a model build a, a deep learning model or, or anything that they, they, they utilize to address a problem or build an application that can be useful. I think it's a more about at the, um, at the level where it's in a massive scale like Facebook and the other stuff, that's, um, that's if you know, think about that, that, that's a bit scary as well, yes. how you're going to utilize. So I think that's um, a bit more of a communication and discussion between uh, probably um, uh, companies, people, legislation, authorities, this type of thing is going to happen, even research communities. We'll see how it goes. I, to be honest, I don't have any specific um, uh, uh, detailed understanding of how data protection rule implementation uh, uh, is in, in big companies like Google and Facebook, other than I'm pretty sure all of us got a... a, 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 a uh, an update from their um, uh, uh, privacy update, the privacy note, and most of the companies that yes. they mention two or three sentences or maybe a page that this is the 
what we are applying now. Um, so it would be interesting to watch this space on <laughs> the Ex GDPR. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Oh, mate, thank you so much no for this chat. It's been incredibly insightful, very, very valuable. Um, we covered so much ground and I had a lot of fun. So thank you, thank you very much for sharing no all your gold. <laughs> Great to be with you. Thanks, mate. Thank you. That brings this episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as datafuturology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.